We all encounter different experiences as we live and learn. These cool moments shape us into the person we are today. Kia ora guys, welcome to Car Talks with Scotty, the podcast version. Follow along as we open those moments and experiences, because our moment starts now. Kia guys, how are ya? Eh? Well, I hope you're well out there, you're staying safe, and you've managed to lend a helping hand to someone who needs it most. Always serving that cause and purpose, guys, higher than yourself, eh? <sighs> so, have you recently been wondering about the key to life? Are you pondering the questions that life brings and what's to come of us? Or is the question of life a little too deep for us to ponder and we just think, well, we'll take every day as it comes and walk around with our heads cut off because there's plenty of us doing that. Well, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about a perspective to life and hearing someone else's thoughts to life bringing a different perspective altogether. And first off, before we dive on in, we're blessed to have a really cool guest in the studio joining us here on Car Talks with Scotty, the podcast version, who is or was a local politician, uh, 30 years as a social worker, which is a long time in a really demanding role, and formerly a marriage celebrant and now a funeral celebrant who I've had the privilege and utmost privilege of working with as a funeral director. A mother to two daughters and two stepsons and a stepdaughter. A grandmother to seven and a dedicated wife to Ray of 33 years. So I'd love to welcome to the show my dear friend and colleague, El Confidant, <laughs> Pauline. Kia ora, Pauline. Kia ora, Scotty. <laughs> How are you? I'm well and thank you for inviting me along today. <laughs> oh, thank you for coming. It really is a privilege to have you in. Because I know over the years of working together, we have had some really cool conversations. And I think with the work that you do and what you've you've exposed yourself to, what's been exposed to you, you've come away from that and now in an industry which is essentially about celebrating people's lives, right? That's right, yeah. And so with that, you've you've got to have some sort of thought process and understanding or even a perspective around even generally around what life means to people and you're gonna find obviously some families who will just want to know some answers in amidst trying to celebrate their loved one who they've lost at that time so the fact that you know this episode is called perspective to life is the glass half full or half empty um it's essentially about bringing all those experiences that you've had over the years and bringing them through and and just having a good old quarter about it oh, <laughs> oh so thank you so much for being in the studio uh, being with me in the studio and on the show so i wanted to kick off a little bit around um firstly i'm gonna go off here and, and just ask what do you think life is about? Wow, that's a pretty complex question, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Because we all so come with different ask. stuff in this world. Mm. But life. Well, I think life, life for me, is about the relationships that I have with those that I love. Mm, mm. They, my whanau, are the most important people to me. Mm. And yes, I'm a stepmum. Mm. Um, but and in those early days it wasn't easy mm, mm. but now we have a closeness and um, I believe we are one whanau mm. and that's really what's important to me I have um, half brothers and sisters as well mm-hmm. and um, as well as my own brothers and sisters who I was brought up with Right. so all those relationships and I think through life we have many many relationships we have relationships with friends we have mm. relationships with colleagues they're all built built on different platforms if Ooh, you know what I mean that's you know, a nice way they're to all, well they're not all the same are they no, no you, you're and you right have, and you have friends who are close friends and you have friends who you confide in mm. you have friends who you meet 
every so often to have a good laugh with mm, and maybe mm. a social exchange of having dinner and wine or something like that. Mm. But I think that the families that I talk with, they tell me that the most important things in their lives also have been their families. Mm. When I ask them, what was dad or mum, what do you think was the most important thing mm. to dad mm. or to mum? And they will say, it, invariably, mm. they would say, it was us, mm. his family. Do you think that people are understanding that, that concept, that, that appreciation, when they realise that the most important thing in their mother and father's lives when their time has come, that it was actually them? I think at the time of their death, they suddenly they often suddenly realize it mm. because they often haven't talked about some of those things for a long time mm. and it's often the um, the death of a, a spouse or a, a parent that makes them start reflecting yeah, on right. their lives right and they they talk about you know mum or dad was a really strong um, a hard worker they had a really a strong sense of uh, work ethic mm. and all of those things they were good providers they were this they were that but when I asked them how do you think mum or dad would want to be remembered mm, good question they always say well normally would say they would want to, us to know that they were loved mm. and they would want us to know that we were the most important people in their lives. Mm. And when I say family, I mean mean the whole extended whanau. It's mm. not just their maybe their sons and daughters or muko, mm. but the whole of their extended whanau. They realised then. Yesterday, when I led a service for so a whanau, I said, and, and uh, their dad had been lying at home for three days, and I said, did you enjoy having dad home? for this last time and they said we've learnt so much about dad mm. and dad was 93 wow and all of these years they learnt things that they never knew before gosh isn't that funny because that also opens up the I idea around how much is actually shared with us directly and how much isn't and how much we have to ask and how much we have to mm. ask mm. which i which i suspect would be one of the key secrets in life is one to not disconnect from your loved ones to to ask mm. to ask those questions to keep that connection going so that you're enriched with that experience of your loved one when i was talking to one gentleman at the car when we just mm. put dad into the car and he said, I never knew all that stuff about Dad. He never told us. <laughs> and I said, often, as adults, we don't take the time. We don't take the time to speak with our children about things that have happened to us or things that, little things, mm. um, that we did in our lifetime. Mm, mm. And as children... We often don't ask. No. So there's that big gap. So some of us know some stories about our parents. Some of us know, um, we might know from what we remember from perhaps the age of five to the end of life. But somebody knows the story of their parent from the time they were born mm, till mm. we were born as children. So oh there's a God. big gap. So, at the, so as I said in my introduction, so you're a mother to two, um, and then you're a stepmother to three, right? That's right. So, given that you're in that position, what's that been like? What's that like in terms of being a stepmother to other children? How, how does that present itself? Well, I can tell you in the early days, it was pretty horrendous. <laughs> so we, had, we had five children all living at home. Wow. One was 15, two yeah. girls at 13, oh, that gosh. was a riot, <laughs> and two, a girl and a boy at 10. And I tell you, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy times. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, and you would expect that. Yeah, when, yeah for sure. When, for children, when their parents get married a second time, it's awful. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and if 
they, um, you know, they they have loyalties to their to their other parent, mm-hmm. the parent that they were brought up with. Mm. So, is it whether biological or not? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. They have. They both have. Um, both sets of children mm. have loyalties to their other parent, mm. and so then you might be um, coming into a household and bringing in new values and beliefs, yeah, which yeah, sure. they might not actually understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, but over time, um, and and many years later. It's just lovely, mm. and we have a real closeness. Yeah, and um, we are truly are a Fano. We're our own Fano. That's beautiful. And um, one of the things that um, I really appreciate about mm. the lockdown is that my stepdaughter, although I never call them my stepchildren, but mm. just to differentiate, mm. um, she organised Zoom meetings. <laughs> so every Just Saturday, yes. Yeah, so every yeah. Saturday, we had a Zoom meeting, and oh. it was awesome. We all just sat around, and it was so nice. Wow! And that's when I realised, I guess for the first time, we are a family. Really? We are. Um, After I mean, all we, these years, all, it was kind of like the pinpoint, the pinnacle was, moment. It was actually, I think, um, it was concreted. If you know right. what I mean, yep. it was cemented mm. that we are we are a family. Especially if they obviously thought it was important to have that connection. Yeah, and we all made you know, and it was hilarious. That's beautiful. Because you know, you have all as all families do, they have their own banter and they have mm. their own secrets about things, and they have <laughs> things that that we know about them Secret that nobody nicknames. else. Yes, yes. And all, all of those nicknames. things. And who makes the be- best pizza and all of this. Mm. And so that banter would go on, which I found really lovely and really. Is comforting. that important? I think it was. Yeah. I found it important. We have that banter of we know each other well enough to be able to say these things and mm. laugh at each other mm. about this and and. It was important, yeah, and it was a real realization to me that, oh my gosh, we are a family now. Mm. We um, and the and the grandchildren would come in and poke their heads in, and we'd all say, <laughs> oh hi, so and so, and then they'd pull a face and go, and we'd all laugh. And, um, but it was lovely, mm, mm. and that realization that, um, after all this time, we have connected despite the real difficulties we had at the beginning mm. and um, as all as all families have mm. when they mm. when there's two for sure uh, you know for when sure. there's, uh, uh, new families created mm. so yeah it was wonderful yeah it's gorgeous so what is I guess coming back to you a little bit more um what are some of the most important lessons you've learned in life that shaped you to be who you are today i think the most important thing for me um was knowing who i was Mm. i was Mm. brought up with a single Mm mum and um knew nothing about my father or his family right um, and there was always, although there were other, um, when my mum later got married and there were other children mm-hmm. around, um, I guess I always had that feeling of still not knowing really who I was. Yeah, right. Because I didn't have those connections. Sure, sure. So that has always been, um, and, and that never changed until... Um, many many until it never changed for many many years until right, I was in around right. my 30s sure. that I never actually knew mm. who my own father was and mm. that I had seven brothers and sisters wow. on his side and so at what point or how did you connect with them to to learn about them in a very strange way <laughs> So, well, my uh, uncle, my father's brother, was having his 100th birthday. Alive? Alive, yep. 
<laughs> Sorry to ask, yeah, no, but I have to. I yeah, mean, I'm yeah. like, not many people make it to 100 yeah. here in New Zealand. And he did. <laughs> and I was very fond of this gentleman because he welcomed me. When I, when I appeared, he welcomed me with open arms. He knew who I was, mm. which was really good for me. He knew. Is it because he'd had a previous connection with him? Or no, like a he knew, no, he knew who I was from a baby. But nobody had ever seen no me ever since. Why? Yeah. And he told me that the last time he had seen me was when I, my mother was pushing me um, in a push chair up Bank Street in Whangarei. Then I had to tell the story of my journey looking for yeah, my yeah. own whanau and finally finding my brother. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was amazing. Mm. So going back to my work and my life, when I was a social worker um, for various organisations like the old DSW, Child, Youth and Family, mm. when young people would come to me, because I worked in youth justice, come to me um, and they'd offended in some way um, and said that they didn't know who their parents were. Mm. I knew exactly what that was like. Yeah, right. Which is probably key as to how you lasted in such a demanding role for so long. Because it was actually about the purpose of what you were Mm -hmm. doing. That makes complete sense. So that was one of the the real things that I've learnt. That has always been an important part of of my life. Pauline, what does that feel like being, I guess, a, a, a child growing up? Um, with half their identity missing. Lost. How do you survive through life up until that stage um, keeping your head above water without it consuming you because of that one, that feeling of loss uh, or feeling lost um, and then I, I would assume that there'd be feelings of was I not wanted or... I mean, like, I'm I'm referring to certain TV shows that we've got on at the moment, like, um, where they reunite loved ones with family members, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is kind of like, oh, Broken Pieces, that's the yeah. name of the program. Yeah. And I just, I think about that those particular episodes, and I'm also sitting here with absolute gratitude for, um, for the fact that I've, I've had the kind of life I have. Even though I've known who my father is, I know who my mother is, and I also have a stepdad, you know, and um, I'm very lucky to have known that from day one. Uh, Sometimes it's questionable. (laughs) 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 But what does that feel like for somebody, um, yeah, how, how do you keep your head above water without letting it consume you to a point where life almost seems or feels pointless. I think that when I was a teenager, it was very important. I was mm. very angry about it. Um, not the fact that um, I I had no connection, but the fact that I didn't even know who it was. You're right. And my mother didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go through other avenues to find out actually who my father was. Mm-hmm. And so that was, um, and that, that was really difficult. But you've got to also think about the time frame. In that time, my mother, who was Pākehā, and my father, Māori, it was not considered the done thing. Right. And certainly in those times, a single mother was really scorned, as my mother was. Right. And so um, I understood that. Mm. And um, and they were both very young. Mm. So, but nevertheless, there was a huge gap in my life. Mm. Not because um, because I just didn't know who I was really. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so then you've channeled through life until that point where there's been a reunion. Uh, uh, you know, putting together pieces from broken pieces, mm. essentially. Um, 
and then what happens what how do you, do you feel renewed do you feel whole is it a process of getting to know and understand what do you go through i think that um i have a although my brother that i met at that time mm. um has now shifted to the south island i feel that connection with him oh, and um i've also met another brother and a sister i had a wow. weekend in wellington with a younger the youngest mm. sister and so that was really nice mm. so although i haven't met all of them it's okay mm. because mm. i also think that if they want to if they want to meet with me they know about me mm. if they want to meet with me they will in their own time because i understand that you know there are people are vulnerable when sudden, some, suddenly somebody comes in out of the woodwork so um, we, that's a good point because i was just going to segue off to that is how what is the perception of others you know of your siblings who've either just learned about you or are learning about you and you've come in what do you think that that process must be like i think it must be really hard i think that for them it must be very difficult mm. um if you're the eldest child and then suddenly you're not the eldest child there's someone <laughs> older um that can't be very easy mm, mm. and yeah have I, any of them spoken to you about their perception of of that moment before before they met you they to- well two of them have told me that they knew about me oh wow their, our father had told them about me which made me feel good because yeah, he's now deceased um, so that made me feel good mm. and also I met I had the real privilege of meeting their mother mm. and um, and that was that was lovely mm. to be able to meet her on a social occasion when another uncle invited me to somewhere and we never knew that <laughs> my father's wife was going to be there and I I thought she was really brave Mm. maybe if I had thought she was going to be there I may not have gone I don't know I don't know did she know that you were going to be there I think she well I think she possibly did Mm. but um, and we didn't have a great conversation but we didn't talk a lot but we have communicated over Mm. the years Mm. and um, and I thought what a wonderful gift that was that she yeah, would just right. accept me You're so right accept me i mean i was born long before she met my father anyway mm. but you know that those things if if you didn't know about them mm. then what does that do mm. to uh, someone like yeah. how do they think what do they think i never asked because it wasn't mine to ask, mm. you know. But I thought she gave me a wonderful gift, actually. Mm. So what are some of the other things you've learnt, uh, learned in life? Well, I think um, one of the things is acceptance of others. And this also comes from when I was young. When I was young and I went to school in Whangarei, I was bullied. Mm. I was bullied because I was part Māori. I was called a half-caste. I hate that word. Mm. Um, And also, (laughs) (laughs) I just hate it. They used to use it all the time. Mm. And and also because I had a single mother. Mm. And, yeah, Mm. it was awful. So over the years, I have learnt and hopefully... I accept people as they are, Mm. whatever that is. I would say that you do, because I think when we first met, despite um, that we were in the same industry as, you know, in the funeral industry, um, you kind of don't come across somebody like me every day that's as bolshy and probably quite frankly straightforward. I don't know if I was rude, but I know I can be when I kind of don't have time. And you, I remember the day that you came and you kind of sprang and thought, oh, hi, I, you know, I introduced myself. Um, and 
timing was kind of the, the timing was very divine i think around that period because we were looking for somebody to help take some pressure off around you know the funerals that we had and we needed a celebrant and so it was good that we could sort of work through the cases that we had at the time i thought oh let's flip this on to pauline so yeah i think um i think you're very accepting because not only did you get to know me you got to know the rest of the team and then the rest of the firm um and how we are how we did things and how we do things and that sort of stuff um and there was no judgment besides i think there was just a couple of laughs because of our antics and the ways that you know the way that we are and all the food (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so acceptance of others is is something else acceptance of others but one of the big things also for me is forgiveness Ooh. I Ooh. over over the years um, obviously uh, you know like I've been married before yeah sure um, there's hurt on both sides yeah there's hurt for lots of things we all go through three things in our lives that hurt us yeah um, and I'm sure that I've done I've said things too that have hurt other people or done things that have hurt other people but for me forgiveness is a big thing I don't think it means that you have to forget because I don't think that you actually mm. I don't know that I'm ca- capable of forgetting but <laughs> I, 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 I can forgive mm. and I think that's really important and one of the and I guess what's really important and what I have learned is that if Nelson Mandela could be in prison for 27 years and come out and be civil and forgiving to those who had incarcerated him mm. for 27 years, surely I can be. And sometimes people say things and I think, oh yeah, well that, that wasn't necessary. Mm. Mm. But I now can mm. forgive people for things. So, it's, I love this conversation because one of the things that I think so many people look to identify and define in life uh, things are exactly what you're talking about. And this is why this is, you know, perspective of life is, is about somebody else's outlook on life and what we can learn from that. Because I asked the same question to somebody else on another episode um, and asked them to define what... Um, what forgiveness looks like what is forgiveness so I'm going to ask the same from you what does forgiveness look like what is the definition of forgiveness for you what I think it is just putting it down that issue putting it down on the table moving it back moving it back over there it's still there that issue Mm. whatever it was how big or how small it was or if it was really trivial Mm, because mm. sometimes the things that we get angry about are really nothing they're just really rubbish but but sometimes they're not sometimes they are big things and it's about being able to put it back over there it doesn't mean that it's going to happen today Mm. it might be that that you might carry that round for some time and then one day you realise that it's gone Mm. that you don't actually worry about it anymore but you can think yes I can let this go now. Is forgiveness something that's that that works on us over time, or is it something that we can pull up and instantly go, okay, I will forgive this? Well, I don't know about anybody else. I think that the big things in my life that I have forgiven others for have taken time. They've been mm. significant. They've taken time. Um, and... I've probably carried them around, mm-hmm. but then I don't know. Perhaps when you get as you get older, you think it's no point in carrying these things around mm. because nothing's going to change. What's happened has happened. Mm. What's been said, what you've done, or what I've done has has been done. Mm. We can't take it back. So i can put it aside i can move it to the back of the table Mm. and it's still there that issue which will never go away but it doesn't i'm not angry anymore i can just put it aside and think doesn't necessarily mean that i tell the person either sure most of the times i haven't a definition i once heard about what forgiveness is um is 
giving up the hope that the past could be any different. And I thought, well, that's a that's a beautiful way to define that, you know, to, to define forgiveness. Because it sort of resonates slightly with what you've just said. You kind of park that back over there and let it be what it is. Um, and that's kind of the, the essence around letting, not necessarily, well, letting go, but not for, not forgetting, as you mm. said. Um, it's happened. You've acknowledged that it's happened. And the process of moving forward, which is another definition I heard the other day, which was um, the next part of forgiveness is acceptance. Mm. So acknowledging what you can't change or what needs to be changed. Um, and accepting that that's what it is, you know. Um, I, I kind of think sometimes people over overlook or try and dig too deep into defining what these are not realizing that the answers despite how large and significant these issues are that require forgiveness i think they look too too deeply into what forgiveness does actually look like when it's actually a rather courageous um it's a courageous move but a very enlightening move when you when you're able to forgive. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I I don't think that when I think about the the specific issues, mm. I actually haven't told those people that I forgive them because I don't need to. Right, because it's forgiveness for yourself. It's forgiveness for me. And is that forgiveness for your part in that? For or? my part in it and for theirs. Mm. And so it's it's over. Do you think? See now I'm getting I'm getting caught on this one. <laughs> Do you think that those who you have forgiven for your part in that? Do you think that they're still hanging on to a little bit somewhere in there? I don't know. Do you think I, that? Well, I oh, think that yes, I think that sometimes there are. Yeah. And do you think that if you were to one day have that conversation with them and let them know that you forgive them, that that could probably mean a whole world of difference? I think that I have sort of done that with one, Mm. and um, I think it has made a big difference. Yeah, okay. I think it's made a big difference. That is so good. (laughs) But it's, it's a nice feeling too. Yeah, of course, of course. Okay, so acceptance, forgiveness, what else have you, is an important lesson you've learned in life? I think loving yourself. Oh, nice. Um, loving yourself for what you are, and if you don't like yourself, well, change it. Yeah, yeah. Change it. These are some key, uh, key words, man. Um, if you don't, if you don't like yourself, you're really not going to be able to like anybody else really yeah, yeah, you know sure. if you feel like that about yourself it's difficult I think to feel anything for anybody else yeah you're right because how else can you truly see the potential exactly. of what you can become or be a part of if all you're seeing is the lens of the fog, foggy lens that's right yeah it's unauthentic really eh? so um yeah, I, so I think, you know, often you think, well, you know, I don't like, don't like myself. I like when I lost weight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who Didn't doesn't? particularly, you know, I think, oh. right? So I think, well, you know, you better do something about it. Mm, mm. So you do. Yeah, you yeah. do or you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> I know it sounds so simple to just say it, hey, but there is actually quite a quite a mind-boggling process that we go through to come to first acknowledging accepting Mm. and probably partway forgiving yourself in that process that you even had that mentality Mm. that you even had that thought about yourself Mm. and now now you're on the other end of it you're like what the hell was i worried about Mm, exactly how important is it really But I think one of the yeah, I face that every day <laughs> <laughs> when I realise I've just dropped another strand of hair. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing I think that's really important is, and my husband's taught me mm. this, is to stay away from negativity. Yeah, yeah. My husband is a very positive man. He okay. is happy in himself. It's a great way to be. Mm, mm. And you know, we've had lots of struggles, various various things and 
He is happy in himself. Mm. It's so He's true. He's like a a really good person. Yeah, yeah. And and he's happy in himself, and he, so he doesn't allow himself to stay around negativity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's really, and because I, I think I think it's always easy to stay in the negative circle. If oh, you yeah. if yeah. you if you have a problem and you're really down to it, it's really easy to stay mm. in that negative circle and not get out. For, yes. Because sometimes there they are gratifying reasons for that, for staying in that, yeah, or, yeah, or for, for sure. me, or whatever. Absolutely. And so it's quite easy to stay there. Mm, mm. But the longer you stay there, if you can't, if you can't take your foot out onto the other side, when you look back later, it's um, you realise just how much time you wasted. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know? I res- that resonates with me like something unbelievable. And I find this quite often with families, and they will say to me that, you know, mum's lying there in the lounge, and they hadn't spoken to her for 18 years. Something like that. And they're just broken hearted because I've missed out on all of that. Yeah, see, and even that, that is something else, or, you know, and again, another perspective of life is the glass half empty or is it half full. What part have you played in that perspective or that decision or the perception of um, what, why you're feeling like that in that moment? Do you know what I mean? Have Is the person who hasn't had a relationship with that person, now, now that person's dead, what what are you not taking responsibility for because i think the perception of that relationship why somebody's now heartbroken is because they've lost time from i think as you said before worrying about um or being sunken in this this pile of guilt from carrying baggage around Mm. and then they get to a point where it's too late and I just know I've been through situations, and I know you have too, Pauline, that where you've you've identified and witnessed this, you know, in the core of grief and bereavement, where people are fighting because essentially what they're arguing about is that they exist in the eyes of the deceased because they've never they never made up with them in the beginning, before they passed. And. For those people who say to me, and you know, there are a number who will say to me, I never had a relationship with mum, I never actually spoke with mum, or one of their siblings will say, well, you know, she never spoke to mum for eight years or 18 years or whatever, never had anything to do with it, so why is she here now? Mm. And I'll say, it's even more important that she's here now, Mm. because Mm. she has so much to say. Mm. And she needs to be able to say what she needs to say even if, if it's in the middle of the night when you're all asleep mm, mm. Um, she needs to be able to say that because she's never been able to say it before for whatever reason mm. um, whether whoever was wrong what does it matter when somebody's dead it's um, it's too late mm, mm. so um and sometimes siblings, you know, we can be a bit hard on our other siblings if mm. we know that there's been a huge breakdown in relationships mm. and mm. there is some sort of scorn from one lot because this <laughs> one hasn't had anything to do with mum or dad. Oh, yeah. And, and I say to them, perhaps she needs this time mm. even more now than she ever did before Mm. because this is her last opportunity before that lid is closed forever who in your life has been inspirational to you and why probably four people yeah my grandmother okay my grandmother was a very religious woman she lived in a world of black and white and there was nothing else (laughs) I tell you but oh I loved her so much but she lived in a black and white world and so I lived in a black and white world too until one day I thought actually Pauline 
You're in a lot of grey here. <laughs> <laughs> As I grew older, I thought, he's a lot of grey here. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, so, but she um, was a, a staunch Christian woman, and she instilled those Christian values in me. Yeah, right. Um, and... Um, Oh, she, people found her really fierce. I just thought she was wonderful. Like, like you know what I mean? Straight, direct, up Straight front. and direct and not oh. loving. Oh. Well, to me, <laughs> really? To me, she was absolutely loving in her own way. She what? was, She was strict. But when I went to my auntie's funeral, I heard somebody say she was not like her mother, who was a very strict and unloving woman. I wanted to jump up and say, hey... That's my grandmother you're talking about, and she wasn't like that at all. <laughs> but that's just the way she was. Sure. And the other person was um, my mum. Mm. My mum um, was a very resilient woman, and um, she had a, a difficult life. We were lucky to have a mother like her. Really? Mm. She was a great mum she was an even more wonderful grandmother mm. and an even more wonderful great grandmother mm. and so the also oh, and I know you've got a couple more but some of the so these people have essentially shaped well really the person that you are today yeah, hey that's right and, and then my mother's sister yeah. was someone who I could go to and talk to about anything she was somebody I could go to and I did I can tell you one day when I was at high school and one day my friend arrived in her car at the bus stop and she said get in so we got in there were four of us she said let's go somewhere right where will we go I said oh I don't know where will we go I said let's go to Hamilton and see my auntie can you believe this <laughs> And you're living in Whangarei? No, I was living in Manarewa. Oh, Manarewa, yeah, okay. And in Auckland. So we did. We drove to Hamilton. <laughs> and then I got there and I thought, oh, what is she going to say? So I knocked on the door and she wasn't home. I was relieved. <laughs> <laughs> I was relieved because all of a sudden, all of a sudden I realised the enormity of what on earth what I was done? doing. <laughs> How old were you? Well, we must have been 15, because you used to get your licence then. <laughs> so my friend had the licence. So it must have been 15. We were all in our school uniform. And so I left her a note on the door. Been to see you today. Yeah, so And then we went back to school. So we drove all the way down there, all the way back, stopped somewhere and had something to eat. And then years later, I said to her, did you ever get my note yeah. that... I'd been, she said, I did. And she said, and I wondered what on earth you thought you were doing and was I supposed to share this information? I said, did you tell mum? And she said, no, I didn't. I didn't tell her. <laughs> All I'm thinking is, did you tell mum or did you get hiding? No, no I didn't. No, 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 you didn't. Nobody knew. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> but I just loved her. I loved her. I loved that her because I could, she was safe. She was a totally safe person. And the You're final right. person was a is a Komatua up in um, Whangarei, who um, at Puriti, who um, I met by chance. Well, I don't believe anything is by chance. Yeah, everything's divinely and, guided. And he was able to tell me exactly who I was. Right. And, okay. Yeah, he knew. When I told him my father's name, he knew exactly who I was. And he was able to fill in all the gaps. Wow. And um, he has been a person that I've gone back to several times for mm. several things over the years. A special man mm. for me. What's a favourite quote you live by in life? Well, look, I've got a couple here. Yep. The first one that I had is what I used to have hanging up on my wall mm -hmm. when I was... Um, a social worker and it's written by Ralph Waldo Emerson to leave the world a better place whether by a healthy child 
a garden patch or a redeemed social condition. To know even one life has breathed easier because you lived, that is to have succeeded. Ooh, I like that. And when you're a social worker, you often feel that you haven't succeeded because especially mm. if you're in youth justice, they come back to you <laughs> again and again. And often it's so negative, the work, wow. that you often feel that you aren't succeeding in anything much. That is thought-provoking. So it's now still in my study. Really? Yeah. Oh, you've still got I've it? still got Goodness. it, yeah. yeah. Oh, mm. that's beautiful. Okay, and you've, you've got another one? And the other one is mm-hmm. just that common whakatauki. Right. Mm. What is the most important thing in the world? He tangata, he tangata, he tangata. Mm. It is people, it is people, it is people. Given all of life's pressures at the moment, how can we just be present? I am a very early riser. For me, I love silence. I love silence. I love the quietness. I love getting up at four or five in the morning, which I just wake up naturally. Mm. And I'll go and sit in the lounge and I will just be. Mm. And sometimes it's about thinking about what I'm going to do for the day. Mm. Sometimes it's thinking about what I did yesterday. Mm. Maybe it's wondering how I could have done that better Mm, mm. Um, and um, that sound of silence is so powerful Mm. what is it that the sound of silence does I think it's so profound Mm. if you get up in the morning early and there's absolutely no noise Mm. it is quite profound What do you get that happens in that time? Is it the you get to have that conversation with the voice or God, as you may want to call it, yeah. or the Holy Spirit or whatever your deity might be? I, I think that um, for me, it's just peace. Peace. I'm there on my own in that moment. Mm. Um reflecting on whatever or sometimes my mind might be completely blank mm, um, mm. and just enjoying that time of solitude but not being lonely and there's a difference between right. being alone and being lonely that's true you know nothing makes my heart sing more mm. than I get a text what are you doing nanny can I come round <laughs> um, nothing can make me feel better than that. I think that um, the other thing too is the other morning, not yesterday morning, the day before, I got up to see if I could see Matariki while it was too cloudy. And so I couldn't <laughs> see a thing. But so I went back inside again and what I heard was two tui talking to each other. Wow. And that was beautiful. So it's that nature too. Mm-hmm. Um, just nature. Um, interacting with that sound of silence and me absorbing that. I think that's a very powerful way to be present. And I think too, it also brings you back to the fact that no matter what's going on, there's other people doing their, having their life. Yes. They've all got things going on too, probably. They're yes. just not showing it at that moment. Mm. But none of us escape this. We all have things that we carry around with us. Mm. We're not alone in that. Sometimes we do feel alone, mm, mm. and um, but we're not. Everybody, no. if they were really honest, has stuff going, going on. on. Going right. on. Yep, absolutely. So sometimes we just don't want to think that we do. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. How? Because of all the pressure that's around in life, and however that pressures come into our lives. How do we not give in to the types of pressures that cause us such disarray? I think that it, and sometimes when you're really busy, you're a little bit like that mouse on the on, on the wheel, and you're going round yep. and round, and and sometimes you don't know when to get off, mm. <laughs> and sometimes you just keep going. Mm. Sometimes we feel important because we keep going, you know, mm. like a bit of a martyr, 
I've got so much work to do. I've got this. I've, I've got, you know, I'm so important. Well, actually, you can take time to have a breath. Yeah, I think you're right there. We spend so much of our waking time um, busy to be busy. Mm. And I think the other thing is knowing your capabilities, yeah. knowing when you need to take a break, knowing how much work you can take on. And a break means what, Pauline? Well, a break might be that you just walk away mm. for um, an hour or so even mm. sometimes doesn't is enough. Having a walk around the block, mm, mm. going and pruning the roses or something. Mm. Um, so just stopping in that moment. Just stopping in that leaving moment. Leaving it for a bit. Yeah. And coming back to it at a later yeah. time. And just reorganising yourself in your head. Mm. And just knowing that it's okay to say no. Mm. Because otherwise, I think that the lockdown probably helped a lot of people too to try and work out what mm. was important and what wasn't. I think you're right there. Yeah, I think you're right. Because it certainly did for our whanau. Mm. We worked out what was important and what wasn't. What mm. mm. well, must have because I mean for your children to organise Zoom meetings. Yeah. Hey, you yeah. know, it's just another example of how somebody will go beyond to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. But we have to be in charge of ourselves. And that's having, yeah, that's absolute control. Mm. That's absolute control over, over our, our actions, our behaviours, mm. our thought patterns. You're, you've hit it right on the mark for me, um, from my point of view, where I've just seen too many people losing, um, losing themselves. And it's just, it's not the nicest thing to see. And I'm like, get a grip, come on. And I'm not meaning it in a, uh, a bad way just you've you've got the strength to get through this because essentially what i'm seeing as a result of people not not practicing these things that we're talking about is that they're giving into the pressure mm. and we're starting to see things like mental health rise oh. um anxiety and depression suicides um i as i said to you i before I went to a service yesterday um, of a 28-year-old woman who committed committed suicide, and you just never thought that that was her. And I, I don't know what happened. I really don't. I know this much that she's left behind three beautiful babies: the eldest who's five, the middle who's three and a half, and the youngest who's only nine months. And in that moment life was too much yeah life was too much in that moment mm. but if it had have been just a few more moments yeah it may not have happened that's right and it's, it's about right. it's that knowing yourself knowing i can step out of this mm. Mm. um and i can i can step out of this mm. but in that moment Mm. A discussion I had with a beautiful lady just before earlier this earlier today. Um, she lost her husband only a week ago, um, who was severely sick, um, and they're they're elderly, you know, they're retired. But she has the most beautiful outlook on life. When I caught up with her, and I just said to her, "How are you doing?" She says, "You know, I'm okay." I'm okay. I'm okay because when I feel like everything's falling apart, I just take time and breathe. Exactly. And I just recognize the breath engulfing my body mm. and then feeling it leave. And I know that I've just been able to take the breath of life. And I thought, oh my gosh, I just want to hug you. <laughs> because it, it can be that simple, just in order to stay for a little bit longer. A little bit longer. Um, that would be my encouragement, is that the moment that you feel that you're about to take your life or be in a situation where that is present, one, just remember, take time out because you deserve it. It's okay. Exactly. That's your entitlement to take time out mm. of life. 
but not permanently. That's right. Just to step out. To step out. Step out of that circle. Yeah. And like Pauline said in the beginning, pack that problem over there. Just Mm. pack it there for a bit. Mm. And come back. Mm. It doesn't mean to say that the problem's going to go away. No. It just means that you uh, have the opportunity to... Think to it rethink through. it through, yeah, that's right. And to think about who you might approach to help you, that's and right. if, and and sometimes writing a list helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm very much a list person, so I know that time when I um, I will write things down mm. because I can think about it more. Or doing a video blog. You know, everybody's on their cameras these days. So doing a little video blog of talking about what you're going through. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to post it. That's right. Doesn't even mean you have to look at it again. But just f- connect with something that allows you to feel connected with, mm. yeah? Yeah. Mm. Sometimes over the years I've said to people, write so-and-so or write yourself a letter. Mm. Write yourself a letter. Put down all this stuff. You don't have to post it. Mm. Just write it. And then leave it and see whether in a day or so it's mm. even even relevant anymore. That's true. Because often it's not. Yeah. Pauline, as a funeral celebrant, what have you learned most about your experiences of working with families and individuals frontline? Every family is different. <laughs> <laughs> they all have their own stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, accepting that. Accepting mm. that everybody's different. We're all different. What would be some of your top advice or tips you would give to someone who's struggling from loss at the moment? It takes time. Mm. This is not something that's going to go away when the funeral, the tongue is over. Mm, mm. Um don't expect too much of yourself mm, don't mm. suddenly think oh, I'm going to start spring cleaning the house and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'll forget it all <laughs> yeah. I'll keep myself busy it's okay just to blob out and rest and take stock of what's happened it's alright you don't have to be on top of everything mm, mm. Um, don't be hard on yourself don't be thinking like sometimes I, I hear of people saying Oh, they need to get on with it. Try not to shut yourself away from others. Um, Talk about the person you've lost to somebody who does understand you Mm. and who does understand what you're going through. Mm. If you need counselling, don't be afraid to take that up or talk to someone that you do trust. Mm -mm. Um... And it's not disrespectful to laugh and have happy moments in the days, in the days and months to come. Mm. It's not being disrespectful. You can still grieve, but you can still, you'll still be grief stricken. Mm. But it's not disrespectful to have a laugh. I hear that quite often. People say to me, oh, I shouldn't be laughing, should I? Mm. And I'll say, why not? Robots. You know, <laughs> it's, it's okay to have a laugh. Yeah. I like that. And just carry those memories. Yeah. And enjoy the memories. Enjoy them. As hard as they can be. As as hard as that is. Because soon those those hard moments are going to become some really sweet memories. Yeah. Yeah. It's just too raw. It's just too raw at the moment. So, Pauline, you're going to read for us um, a little extract, or a, sorry, a story. Um, Would you like to introduce that? Sure. This is a a piece written by a a gentleman, and I understand his name is Adam Albright Henner, who responded to a question, my friend just died, I don't know what to do. Mm. And a lot of people responded. Then this one guy's incredible comment stood out from all the rest. 
and it just might change the way we approach life and death. Mm, okay, beautiful. All yours. Okay. So he's and so he's called it Grief Comes in Waves. And he says, All right, here goes. I'm old. What that means is that I've survived so far, and a lot of people I've known and loved did not. I've lost friends, best friends, acquaintances, co-workers, grandparents, mum, relatives, teachers, mentors, students, neighbours and a host of other folks. I have no children and I can't imagine the pain it must be to lose a child. But here's my two cents. I wish I could say you get used to people dying. I never did. I don't want to. It tears a hole through me whenever somebody I love dies, no matter the circumstances. But I don't want it to not matter. I don't want it to be something that just passes. My scars are a testament to the love and the relationship that I've had for that person. And if the scar is deep, so was the love. So be it. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are a testament that I can love deeply and live deeply and be cut or even gouged and that I can heal and continue to live and continue to love. And the scar tissue is stronger than the original flesh ever was. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are only ugly to people who can't see. As for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the, first, when the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage and you hang on for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while... All you can do is float, stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are a hundred feet tall and they crash over you without mercy. They come ten seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still one hundred feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe, you can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything, and the wave comes crashing. But in between the waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, You find that the waves are only a hundred feet apart, or a hundred feet tall. And while they still come, they come further apart. And you can see them coming. An anniversary, a birthday, or Christmas, or such like. You can see it coming, for the most part, and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will, again, come out the other side. Soaking wet spluttering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of wreckage, but you'll come out. The waves never stop coming, and somehow you don't really want them to, but you learn that you'll survive them, and other waves will come, and you'll survive them too. And if you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars from lots of loves and lots of shipwrecks. Wow, that was deep. <laughs> that was very thought-provoking. Thank you. It's not something that I ever read out at funerals. No. It's something I send to some clients, some family members, if I know they're in the depths of grief. I think it's really important. It does highlight some really good um, stages of grief and right. how we put ourselves in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. Thank you. You're welcome. And I hope it will give some better understanding for somebody who might mm, be listening. For sure. 
And again, thank you, Pauline, for coming and joining us here on Car Talks with Scotty, the podcast version. You're welcome. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. <laughs> it's been brilliant having you in and just getting another perspective again around life in general and, and sometimes that question of, you know, the glass is completely empty or is it half full or, you know, half empty. And so what I've what I definitely am able to take away from this discussion is that simplicity is the key to maintaining a balance of life and that simplicity is about taking a break breathing you know the the simple act of breathing and and appreciating that taking a break in in life itself and sitting back and watching life tick by realizing that you have a huge part to play and that's what you're going through is um, it's only for a short term, you know, what you're going through. You can get through it. You've just got to last. If you can. If yeah. you can. And step out of and that s- circle. Mm. Yeah. So thank you for bringing your whakaaro, your thoughts through. Thank you. It's been really awesome. If you have any questions you'd like to ask about this episode or topics you'd like me to cover here on my podcast, you can leave me a voice message on my anchor.fm station as I'd love to hear from you. Or send me an email to cartalks at scottywilliams.nz. For the latest up-to-dates, jump on my social media or head to my website, scottywilliams.nz. Thank you all again for tuning in and listening here on Car Talks with Scotty, the podcast version, bringing you new episodes every Tuesday. So stay tuned. And podcasters, do not forget to hit, hit subscribe, follow, and if you like listening along, please feel free to rate and share with your whanau and friends. From me to you, actually from both of us here in the studio, to you, be blessed, stay well, be safe out there, and don't forget to lend a helping hand to someone who needs it most. Love you all. Bye!